0: Welcome, everybody, to Let's Go Up, podcast edition, where we...
1: Explore the mysteries of heaven.
0: <laughs> this is episode two, and it is called...
1: We are going there. We're
0: going there. cretus where are we going today?
1: Do you think we, maybe we should hop on into John 17? <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, mm. and I don't think we're going to get very far.
1: Yeah, I think you thought we could do it all in one, one not, sitting. Not a chance. Not going to happen. <laughs>
0: I think we'll get like two <laughs> verses in. That'll be it.
1: Awesome. But
0: just a reminder to everybody how you can find us. Go to our website, up.us. All one word, let's go up dot us. You'll find our podcast there in both audio and video format. So if you're looking in on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe because there's a subscribe button there now. And if you look on our website and if you go to listen, There's a bunch of podcast players there. Hopefully, it's one that you use regularly. And uh, there's still a couple that we're waiting on. Google and Apple are a little slow.
1: We'll let it slide this time.
0: We'll give them grace. We'll give them grace. They just have no idea what they're missing.
1: (laughs) They're too popular.
0: It's true. (laughs) So, John chapter 17.
1: John 17.
0: Yeah, so this chapter has been rocking my world for almost a year already. I can't get out of it. I keep going back to it over and over again. And every time I do, I just end up in this place of glory and presence, and I feel loved all over again by the Father. Mm. So I'm pretty excited about about talking about it.
1: Awesome. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. So why don't you set us up um, a little bit on this chapter here?
0: Well, to me... I see this as Jesus, his last prayer before he went to the cross. And if you look like overall big picture, he covers so much. Everything is in this chapter. I made a list. Love is in there. Identity. There's a whole bunch on identity. Mystery. There's glory in this chapter. It talks about heaven in this chapter. Union. Mm. It's it's the place where Jesus says, I and you, you and me, us and the Father. Mm-hmm. And he talks about this union. And it has the only description that I know of in the New Testament of eternal life.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an exciting one. Yeah. I've been to.
0: So when you look at John chapter 17 overall, like before, after, and here sits this prayer right in the middle, chapter 14, 15, and 16 is just Jesus talking to his disciples. In those three chapters alone, there are so many one-liners, hmm. just profound thoughts. He talks about the vine. He talks about the Holy Spirit coming. He talks about asking the Father. He talks about being with, with Him where He is. Just tons of things. And then, hmm. and then He prays and this prayer. Yeah. It just blows me away every time.
1: That's awesome. I love it. I love that when When I was flipping through it, you kind of go a couple chapters ahead, and you just see like everything you're saying ahead mm. of time that he's he's talking to his disciples about, and it's not like easy stuff either, no, it's like you um will be persecuted, yeah, you are going to be um facing many hardships by people who think they're doing a service to God, yeah, it's coming, yeah, and after that, after chapter seventeen, we go into. Gethsemane? Yeah. But in this chapter, this prayer, what really stood out to me in the whole picture of it was there wasn't any fear in it. There wasn't any self-pity or second-guessing. Like It was just this selfless, beautiful, pure prayer.
0: The word that you used there, selfless. Here Jesus is, he's about to go to the cross, and he's not even thinking about himself. He's concerned about his disciples. Yeah, He prays for them, and he prays for us. Yeah, He prays that the Father would glorify him, but not so that he could be glorified. He prays that the Father would glorify him so that the Father could be glorified. Yeah. So even in that, he's not thinking about himself. He's yeah. thinking about the glorification of the Father.
1: Yeah, that really stood out to me. In um, this translation I'm reading, the New King James, they mm-hmm. have little little titles above the different sections. Mm-hmm. And so he has the little titles, Jesus prays for his disciples, Jesus right. prays for all believers. But at the very beginning, it's Jesus prays for himself. Right. So his prayer for himself, when you read it, is that his prayer for himself isn't like, you know, blessing and provision and remove this trial from my life. It's glorify me so that I can glorify you. You just sit there like, (laughs) wow.
0: (laughs) That's a good thought there. Oftentimes when I think about worship, I'm just thinking of the book of Revelation where it says glory and honor and power and strength and all of these things, be unto the lamb or be unto the throne or whatever. I always think to myself, how can you give those things to God? How can you say, God, all glory be to you? Mm Mm-hmm. If he hasn't given you glory to give to him, so we can't give away something that we don't have. So he paints every part of his creation with a brushstroke of glory because glory is really light. Mm. And then we get to give that back to him in the act of worship. Wow. And Jesus was talking here, he said, Glorify me so that you can be glorified. Mm. And that's the same thing. It's like God gives to us, and what we have, we offer it back up to Him. Mm. Strength. He gives us strength. We offer it back to Him. He gives us power. We offer it back to Him. So everything that He gives us, we offer back to Him. And that's what I see. Mm. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses here. Yeah. Because we're not going to get very far. But I think, <laughs> I think if we read verse 1, 2, and 3, what version do you have there? New King uh, James? New King James. Yeah, okay, I've got... I've got Passion Translation, and I've got New American Standard. So this is Passion. This is what Jesus prayed as he looked up into heaven. Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son so that I may magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given me. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. Now let's just stop there for now. So how does it say
1: that in the New King James? Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent.
0: Mm -hmm. So there's three things in here that I see, and maybe there's three things we can talk about today. This is what Jesus prayed as he looked up into heaven I'm just going to go to New American Standard. I'm going to say, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said. So there's him lifting up his eyes and engaging with heaven. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And then he starts to talk about the glory. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And then he starts to talk about eternal life. Mm-hmm. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And I love this verse, verse 3. This is the verse. This is the only definition of eternal life that I know in the Bible. This is eternal life, it says. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Mm -hmm. So three things, talking about lifting up our eyes, talking about glory, that he paints us with glory, that he gives glory to us so that we can, in turn, return it back to him, and then talking about eternal life. I don't think we'll get much further than that today. (laughs) Awesome. Let's start with the lifting of the eyes. Hmm. There's a lot of places in the Bible where people lifted up their eyes, and so lifting up the eyes is often a prophetic act. it's lifting up your eyes to heaven and peering into another world mm. there's lots of verses I, I wrote down some verses i want to I want to read here. How about this one psalm one twenty three one to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens So here we have somebody lifting up their eyes to heaven, peering into the heavens. Mm to the one who is enthroned in the heavens. Same thing that Jesus just did, right? Yeah. He lifted his eyes up, Mm -hmm. and he's talking to the Father, and he engages with heaven. So here's another one. When Jesus was at the tomb when he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, it says they rolled aside the stone, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. So he prayed this prayer. But before he did anything... He looks up to heaven and he engages with heaven. Mm. I'm thinking of another time when he multiplied the loaves and fishes, he did the mm. same thing.
1: Yeah. It yeah. says
0: he looked into heaven and he gave thanks.
1: Yeah. Like there was this awareness that he was, he was constantly aware of something. Yes,
0: of this other world. Seeing
1: something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: And what he would do is he would lift his eyes up, engage with that world, And pull that miracle out of that world into this one. What did he need at that moment? He needed bread and he needed fish. So Mm. he's looking to heaven. Mm -hmm. He's giving thanks. And then he's like, okay, come down here. Yeah.
1: (laughs) On earth as it is in heaven.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He did that all the time. There's another time that he healed a little boy. And it says he looked up into heaven and said, be open. Mm -hmm. And... When they were going to martyr Stephen, it says, he looked up, yeah. he gazed into heaven, and he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand.
1: Yeah, the heaven opened. It
0: opened right up, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Abraham, when he was about to sacrifice Isaac, same thing. It says, he lifted his eyes, and he looked, and he saw the ram. But it uses this language, lifting up your eyes.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're seeing it all throughout, right? When- yeah. You start noticing it, and you really start seeing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, (laughs) there's something to this. It
0: really is. It's all over the place. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of this chapter, when he lifted his eyes, he was somehow making that connection, right? Yeah. So this whole prayer is prayed from the place of, it's a conversation between him and heaven.
1: Yeah. The presence and the awareness of the nearness of the Father, too. Yeah. It didn't seem to be this question... In his heart, like, are you there, God? Do you see what's happening? Do you know what's, you know, like he was just so connected that he, he saw.
0: Yeah, he connected in immediately.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He went up. He went up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus obviously got the notice on our podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go there, guys. <laughs> it's like, finally. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm. And then right away he starts talking about glory. Mm. So I was thinking, what does it mean when Jesus says, glorify, glorify me, Mm -hmm. so that I may glorify you?
1: I'm just going to get comfortable here. I feel like I'm slouching. (laughs) While you uh, talk about the glory.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so when Jesus said, glorify me, so that I may glorify you, the glory of God is just one of my favorite subjects. And I have meditated on it for so many years now, but it never ceases to amaze me. The glory soaks into us from the outside, but it also comes from the inside. But I actually really think what glory is, is it's light.
1: Explain to me the glory as his light. Okay.
0: There are four things that are really closely related. The goodness of God, the glory of God, the presence of God, and the face of God. Mm. Those four things. So you have to realize something. The face of God shines so brightly that it could literally light up our entire universe. It's very bright. Yeah, that's intense. In fact, it says in the book of Revelation that someday in the new heaven and earth, there will be no more need for the sun or the moon because the glory of God will light the whole place up. Yeah. (laughs) It comes from his face.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: So when Moses asked, God, let me see your glory.
1: He couldn't even handle it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: God had to put him in a rock and had to put his hand in front of him because the the glory coming from his face would have been so bright that it would have killed him. Yeah. So, so God protected him. And then God said, I will make my goodness pass yeah, before you. Yeah, I love you. that. Hey? So Moses asked for glory, and God responded with saying, I'll show you my goodness. So glory and goodness. God is good. That's his nature. And in his nature is hidden his glory. And his face shines forth with his glory and what is felt in our world is his presence. Mm-hmm. So all four of those things. In fact, if you, if you look at the Hebrew word for face, there actually is no Hebrew word for presence. It's mm-hmm. face, pane. Mm-hmm. That word is sometimes translated presence and sometimes translated face. When God says, seek my face, he's actually saying, seek a place where my face is tor- turned towards you and where my presence and my glory shines on you. In your presence, there's fullness of joy, and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. He's saying in your face, in the presence and in the glory and in the shining of your face. So if you're, if you're going to seek God's face, basically what you're asking to do is you're asking to be in a place where his face is turned towards you and his glory is shining on yeah. you.
1: <laughs> sounds, sounds like a pretty good place.
0: <laughs> it's a good place to be.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: So when you're in that place, that glory that shines upon you, that is glorifying you. It is putting glory into you. It's soaking glory into you. Wow. And then what we get to do when we worship God is we get to turn around and we get to give him all that glory back. Yeah. Because it says in the Bible somewhere, I can't remember, I think in Isaiah it says that all glory belongs to God. Mm -hmm. He will not share his glory with anyone. So all glory comes from him, and it all has to be returned to him. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He lets us borrow it. He paints us with it. But then we get to worship him when we get to return it back to him, glorify him
1: with our life.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Like what a what a beautiful motive and purpose of life, you know, to just glorify him with it, with what he gives us, whatever wherever we are, whatever circumstance we're in, whatever situation we find ourselves in. Tomorrow we get to glorify him in it with it. Mm -hmm. You see it even in creation these patterns like the laws that we've discovered in science like the law of conservation of energy and mm-hmm. even how water flows like energy transfers from one form to the next mm-hmm. right and you just see the the pattern in it how it's like this little reflection of how he works how yep. his love works his glory works like it comes from him yep, and transfers to us and is not meant to just stay in us it's meant to transfer and return and it's just this beautiful parallel that you see in so many aspects of this world that he created
0: there's that one verse i'm thinking of as you're talking it says everything is from through and to him yeah comes from him yeah through him comes to us and then it's back
1: to Mm -hmm. him yeah the law of conservation of glory (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs)
1: It's not lost. It's just.
0: (laughs) So the law of conservation of energy, you're talking about how energy in a closed system Mm -hmm. only transfers from one form to another. Yeah. It can't be taken away from or added to. It just transfers into different forms, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So I can see what you're talking about when it comes to the glory. That's that's the way it is. Yeah. God's glory is God's glory. It comes from him because God is made out of light. He's Mm -hmm. a being of light. So, all light and all energy and all glory comes from him. It comes into other places, but in the end, it all has to cycle back and return back to him.
1: Yeah. There's so much depth there. You know, I remember when I was a kid, someone had asked my dad, How can you teach science and call yourself a Christian? He's like, Are you kidding me? Basically, like the more. I study science the more I see God Mm -hmm. in it all. Like, it doesn't make sense without God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. His brother, he studied physics, Mm. and he even got offered a job with um, NASA. Oh, yeah. And he, same thing, just this passion for the Lord, and the more he studied, the more he sees him in it. Mm -hmm. and. And he just went where the Lord called him. He had these epic job opportunities, and God's like, "No, I want you back in Iceland." So, mm. Okay, <laughs> just so content in His presence, mm-hmm. you know that. I think we get afraid of, of the two different things, yeah. putting them together. But you see, you see it in God's glory. You see the the beauty and the parallel and everything He's created.
0: So. Basically, when God said, "Let there be light." He released his glory, yeah. that which he was.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: there's two descriptions of God in the Bible. One says God is love, and one says God is light. They're both in the Book of First John. God is love. God is light. Yeah. If you cut God, light would come out, and love would come out. <laughs> his nature. His nature is goodness. His nature is glory presence and it shines from his face Hmm. and he lit up the entirety of creation for the first few days and then I think on day four he finally decided to create a sun and moon and stars and he transferred the job of lighting up creation to the sun
1: yeah (laughs) that's one to easily miss right (laughs) but wait a minute where was that original light from if the sun didn't come till (laughs) that's right
0: (laughs) Yeah, and the sun didn't come till day 4, and on day 3 he planted plants. Mm-hmm. How does that work?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Something something's not lining up here.
0: <laughs> okay, but but in the book of Revelation, it does talk about a scene in heaven where the face of God is lighting everything up. There's no need for lamp or sun yeah. or moon or stars. And then it says, and there's the tree of life. Yeah. And then it talks about plants. Yeah. So the glory of God, so evidently, <laughs> evidently, the glory of God can grow plants.
1: Yeah. So it, did, did you discuss this in your creation lecture in um, elementary school? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> it was coming later. <laughs>
0: yeah, I didn't think of that till just a few years ago. <laughs> but if you think of it, it's all about the light source, right? Yeah. Because every star has a slightly different light signature to it. But the glory of God... I believe, is the perfect combination of all the colors together. That's why when people say, when they go to heaven, they see colors that they don't even see here.
1: Yeah, I've heard that.
0: Because the glory of God is the perfect light source. Mm. All other light sources have lines in them, in the spectrums, mm-hmm. black lines. You, you see them. But the glory of God, absolute flawless. Yeah. Flawless light.
1: It's so flawless. flawless. It can perfect keep it light. keeps Plants alive.
0: <laughs> I think a plant would be very happy growing in the glory of God.
1: The photosynthesis of glory.
0: <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you could take a plant and just place it under the glory of God. I wonder what it would do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back up, Dean. Just give it space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like growing big and oof, mm. growing towards it. Yeah. <laughs> Be super happy plant. Yeah. Big fruit.
1: Yeah. Tasty.
0: (laughs) So look at how we got off on (laughs) the subject of the glory of God. Mm. That's why glory fascinates me because I've thought about glory and I've, I've meditated on it and all these scriptures. So there's a series of verses in first Corinthians chapter 15 that talk about this. I'm going to read them. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, there is another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star difference from star in glory. So here's talking about the glory of the sun, the glory of the moon, Mm. the glory of the stars. That's why I say when God transferred the job of lighting up creation to the sun and the moon and the stars from his face, It's still really glory. The sun does a really good job of mimicking, or not mimicking, but it's a type of the glory of God Mm -hmm. in the way that it warms our earth, gives life, sustains Mm -hmm. life. And here it talks about the glory of the sun and the glory of the moon and the glory of the stars. And every star differs from star in glory. So the light signature of every star is slightly different. It says it right here in the Bible.
1: And you see how there's this tendency in humans over history to worship that.
0: Yeah, to worship the stars even.
1: Yeah, they worship the sun or they worship the stars or they worship nature.
0: That's very true actually.
1: And you talk to people and they sense something and they so they start to worship that. Right. And they're since the beginning of, you know, recorded history, there's these
0: Sun worshipers.
1: Yeah. You see it all over in these, these tribes and these these Countries where they've never even heard of the Lord, they're worshiping His glory without knowing it and turning it into a God. Yeah. Like turning the item into a God, you know?
0: Turning what was created to to reflect mm-hmm. and show us a type of, the type of love mm-hmm. and life-sustaining power that God has for us through an object lesson of our sun, our earth sun and our earth moon. yeah. Instead of seeing that, they actually turn to that object as yeah. an object of worship. Yeah. Because it does such a good job of giving us a, an object lesson of what the glory of God is like.
1: But no, nothing compares to the real thing.
0: <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing compares to the real thing. Mm-hmm. A minute in the glory of God would change you forever. And that's how we're transformed, too, right? And it, it says when we, with unveiled face, look hmm. at the glory.
1: Yeah. That's
0: what Jesus was doing here. He was lifting up his eyes, yeah. engaging with heaven, engaging with that glory. Wow. And that when we look at that, we're transformed. It has a transforming effect on our lives.
1: So when you were talking earlier about Moses being hidden from the glory yeah, because he would die, has that changed? Do we have to be hidden and protected from the glory?
0: That's a I good question. That's a good question. I believe that in the New Testament, a lot of things changed. I believe that we can be exposed to the glory of God but I believe that we have to get used to it. Mm. So in my experience, my personal experience being in the presence of the Lord and being in the glory can actually be disorienting if it's really strong. That's why sometimes when you see somebody get hands laid on them and they they, they quote they fall out under the glory, it's so disorienting to them that it can actually knock you unconscious. Mm. But there is a place, the more you're in it and the more you get acclimated to it, where you can actually handle more and more and more of it. Okay. And I don't know if there comes a point where it's so bright that you die from it. I have no clue.
1: <laughs> Hopefully not. Well, I actually, hope not. I, depends where you're going. <laughs> I guess
0: so. <laughs> we have already died. Yeah. Our life is hidden in Christ.
1: Well, it's just accelerated have, the process. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I think a lot of things changed because back then in those days in Moses' day he didn't have a renewed spirit. Yeah. He was still in the in the form of a fallen person. Mm-hmm. We have been given a new nature. Now we've been able to partake of the divine nature.
1: So when you rewind pre-fallen nature mm-hmm. to Adam and Eve, they you would say were fully exposed to it.
0: Adam and Eve were exposed to it.
1: Yeah. And they didn't fall over dead nope. from the glory.
0: <laughs> but then once sin entered the world, then a sin nature entered in. And then from that point in time, there was a danger of being exposed to it too much, evidently.
1: Hmm. And so now in we this have a new, nature new, again. new creation life, yeah, brought back to our original intended design yes. and identity through Jesus yes. and his righteousness. Back to bliss.
0: Gretus, <laughs> you keep talking like this, I'm going to have to do a mic drop.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end here. Next week on... <laughs> no.
0: I love that word that you use, our intended bliss, Yeah, where we came from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's why Jesus went to the cross. He didn't go there so that the animals could be okay. <laughs> he went to bring us back to the garden.
1: I was thinking about that this week. You look at the, look at this Bible. There's so much in here, but when you look at the garden, it's like this tiny little itty bitty section. Like if you combine it together, maybe it's like a chapter where we get to kind of see a sneak peek into the garden. Like, yeah. like why why is there so little? That sounds so incredible. Mm-hmm. But I feel like God said to me when I was asking him this, like, I want you to see more in your life. What I didn't put in here about the garden and about that life, you get to live it. That's why I don't need to put it in all of these pages for you to read about. You can live it. You can live it. The bliss.
0: (laughs) Jesus brought us back to the garden again. And in my experience what happens is when you learn to find eternal life and when you learn to find eternity when you learn to find the kingdom that's inside of you the first place that Jesus took me when I found that place is he took me to a garden and from there I learned to explore all kinds of other places but it started with a garden the garden is a place of rest it's a place where Jesus is and Everybody has a version of the garden inside of them. Mm. And I believe that the reason why there's not more of a description is because he wants us to discover that yeah, that place. And it looks different for all of us. Yeah. The garden that Adam and Eve were in is not going to look the same as your garden, and it's not going to look the same God's as my garden. Do, he's,
1: he's too creative for that. <laughs>
0: yes. God's been in the business of making gardens for thousands of years, and he's made billions of them because there's billions of humans, and every human has their own garden. Mm. And every one of them is different.
1: Glorious, just glorious. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go there.
0: Yeah. Let's go up. Yeah. Mm. So how we have diverted from John chapter 17.
1: Mm. But not really. The glory. He looked up.
0: And he engaged with heaven.
1: Engaged with heaven.
0: And he engaged with the glory. And he said, Father, glorify me so that I can in turn glorify you. Wow. And that's how it all started with his prayer.
1: And this is eternal life. Yeah. Next line.
0: This is eternal life. This is the only description I know of in the Bible where it actually tells what eternal life is.
1: That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. And I love how in this prayer, he basically starts talking about knowing him. Knowing. And he ends talking about knowing him. Like this is an important,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: you know, not knowing about him. You had said um, to me before, you know, you can read about someone, you can study them, you can be taught about them, they can tell you about them, but mm-hmm. you don't really know a person
0: mm-hmm.
1: until you just spend time with them Yeah, and have conversation, go on walks yeah. and just be with them, right? Mm-hmm. Even when you're first with someone, you don't really know them. It takes intimacy and time. Yeah.
0: I think that you said to me one time, you said, John chapter 17 is like a knowing sandwich. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's the bread on the outside. Mm. <laughs>
0: no on one end of it and knowing it and, does. It ends with John <laughs> chapter 17, Talk ends talking about us knowing him and it, Starts with
1: knowing. Mm-hmm. And all this deliciousness in between scrumptious slabs of eternal life yeah. and <laughs> his word and truth and w- unity and yeah. union. Yeah.
0: All of that sandwich between all
1: those micronutrients and <laughs>
0: <laughs> that we would know him and that we yeah. would know him. Yeah. It says this is eternal life that they would know. So eternal life is all about knowing someone. Most of the time we think of eternal life as unending life after we die and we enter into eternity. So we think then eternal life will start. Mm. From that point in time, there'll be life eternal and we'll never die. But this description is quite different. I'm just going to read it again. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We approach knowing something or knowing someone or knowing something about a subject way different than the Hebrews approached it. Mm. The Hebrew word know actually means to encounter something first and then to gain the actual book knowledge of it second mm. or as a byproduct of the encounter. Yeah. Whereas our English word, we start with the investigation and the facts first and then from the facts, we hope to gain the experience about the subject. Okay. So it's completely opposite the way mm. that these two words work in our culture, as in the Bible. Mm. Interesting. So, so when you talk about knowing someone or knowing something, when Jesus said, "This is eternal life to know the true God," he's talking about to experience or to encounter Him. Mm-hmm. Experience or encounter, and then from that encounter. Mm. Knowledge is infused into us about the person.
1: That makes sense because it's a very
0: different concept from what we know.
1: Yeah, knowing him the way, you know, we study him and know him and it leads to conviction, maybe feeling guilty a lot and not Mm -hmm. measuring up, but knowing him, like yada, yada 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) it leads to a changed life, but without this striving and effort. Like I feel like when you really know him, your life aligns with him, his glory all over again.
0: <laughs> you can actually go through an entire post-secondary education and never really have experience in the very thing that you've studied about. Yeah, You come out the other end and you're, you're going for your first job interview and they're like, so? Yeah. And you're like, well, this is where we start. I've actually <laughs> never really experienced this before, but I know a lot about it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that doesn't usually go over too well.
0: You took nursing studies. Yeah. Did you have a lot of practical along with it?
1: Yeah. In the university I went to, from the very beginning of the four-year program, you're in the hospitals, or you're with people, you're hands-on mm-hmm. from the very beginning. So you do the curriculum and work, and you're in there. You go in there, and you come, and you learn about it. You're in the classroom, in the hospital, in the and you're constantly almost like an apprenticeship. Back and forth. Yeah, and... Some of the universities around here don't do that. I don't know about now, but they they would do three years of academic study, and then um, in the fourth year, some academic study but some clinical experience. Right. Some of the job interviews I went in, one of the things that they would tell me is we prefer students from your university because we notice they come out more confident more skilled. The academics was all the same, mm-hmm. but the way it was experienced changed the outcome. When we experienced it in line with clinical work being hands-on with what we were studying versus just filling our head with knowledge, right. we came out with this skill set that was noticeable.
0: It was notably different than it was notably different. other educational institutes that yeah. did it the opposite way, yeah. filled people's heads up with knowledge and then... Did just a little bit of practical at the end.
1: Yeah. And some of those universities were big name universities, where typically the name of that university would get you ahead of the list. But right. in particular with nursing, that wasn't the case because they were noticing that they weren't coming out as skilled. Right. <laughs> I remember working with a nurse and even the basic concept of waking up a patient in the morning. Mm hmm was so foreign to her and frightening. And it was this huge obstacle But I'd been waking up patients for years. (laughs) It was like no problem, but there was no personal experience with people.
0: So Jesus is saying eternal life is to know the Father and to know Jesus who he has sent. And in that word know, he's talking about encounter. Mm -hmm. Eternal life is to encounter the Father and to encounter Jesus. That's the definition of eternal life, knowing, but knowing in that way.
1: Yeah, I feel like when he's like, set your mind on things above and, and in Philippians, you know, meditate on these things and he starts listening. I feel like this could be one of those meditating, you could meditate on that all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could set your mind on that for a long time and still be <laughs> blown away. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of mysterion, a lot of mystery and there a is. lot of beauty in it. For us. Yeah. Here you go. Mic drop.
0: Jesus gets the mic drop today. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we did only get to verse 3. I'm just going to read them again. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So in those verses today, we've talked about lifting up our eyes to heaven, engaging with the heavens. We've talked about glory and light and the fact that the Father shines his glory on us and we get to give it back to him and glorify him with it. (laughs) And then we talked about knowing in the Hebrew way, where you encounter something first and then infused knowledge is given to you through the encounter rather than studying it and then trying to figure out what it is later. Yeah. (laughs) And knowing him in that way brings us to a place where we can experience eternal life now. Eternal life is at work inside of each one of us. In fact, we have eternity in our hearts. (laughs) So that's it, Caritas. That's where we leave it this week. That was good. Next week.
1: Next week. we
0: we'll continue on.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: I can hardly wait when we get to the place where he talks about them and you, you and me, I and them, you and me,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: them and us.
1: <laughs> the most beautiful dance. <laughs> and That's awesome. Thanks so much for joining us this week on Let's Go Up.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, and we... Um, Look forward to next week as we dive further into John 17. Yeah.
0: So have a great week, everybody.
1: Have a great week.
0: Bye.